Tonight we're going to reach up. Amen? Are you guys ready to go up? I know you just got here, but we're leaving this dome tonight. We are tearing the ceiling off this place tonight, and we are going up. Amen? Now there's a verse that's going to help us get there. There it is. Go ahead and open your Bibles, but in case you don't open your Bibles or flip them on, you know, I put the verses up here so we can read it together. Amen? So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The Bible teaches us here we have to fix our eyes on what you cannot see. Now that's an interesting idea. I need you to look right now at what you cannot see. Because what you cannot see is very, very important. What you see is actually not that important. This is incredible, isn't it? This is an amazing setup, but all of this isn't going to be around 10,000 years from now. So all the things you see tonight actually aren't as important as what you cannot see. So tonight we're going to fix our eyes on what we cannot see. Now, the only way you can see what you cannot see is if you use your imagination. So we need to use our imagination this evening a little bit. Now this is a bit of a challenge for us because, at least it is for me. I remember growing up, there were monsters in my closet. Sometimes they were under the bed, but mostly in the closet. And when they'd get in the closet, I would yell down to my parents, Mom, Dad, come up, get the monsters out of my closet. Mom walks in, flips on the light, opens up the closet, and it killed me because she doesn't even look. What's up with that? She doesn't even look. She opens the closet and says, do you see any monsters? No. If you don't see it, it doesn't exist. Oh. Now that's a lesson we have to undo tonight. Because if you don't see it, it exists. Whether you see it or not, it's there. And just because you don't see heaven, it's there. And just because you don't see hell, it's there. And just because you haven't seen God, He is there. Amen, church? Now, I felt validated a few years later. I knew it. I knew it. Tonight, everything is the opposite. We're going to fix our eyes on Jesus. Amen, church? We're going to fix our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith. Amen? And we are going to see God. Point number one, let's see God. Amen, church? We're going to reach up, see God. God Almighty. Now, he sent us two books so that we could get to know him. One of them is his creation, and one of them is the Bible. Now, before we jump into the Bible, I would actually like us to take a moment to fly across his creation. And this is just going to last for a little bit of time. But what I want to ask you to do is actually just pray to yourself. Not out loud, but just pray to yourself and meditate just for a moment and think about how blessed you are to be God's child. Amen? And as we fly across the earth, there's going to be a few psalms that pop up here, and I'm going to read them out loud, and I'm going to ask the church to give me an amen. Amen? Let's get started. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. And the church says, Amen. 
He set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. In the church says. He wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent. And the church says. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. And the church says. to God how awesome are your deeds and the church says great is our Lord and mighty in power his understanding has no limit and the church says amen we're going to talk about seeing God. And you know, Elijah, he came pretty close to that. In the New Testament, he says he was a man just like us. But he did some incredible miracles. But there was a moment when he was a little bit discouraged. And he was on the mountain of the Lord like we were a few years ago. Amen? But even when you're on the mountain of the Lord, sometimes you crawl into a cave. I would like us to read a verse. When Elijah found himself in the cave, the Lord knew exactly what he needed. When you find yourself in a cave, God knows exactly what you need. The Bible says here, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Amen? That is the answer. Spend time in God's presence. Not do more, not try harder, but go to God. Amen, church? Have you been in a cave lately? The last three years, I think, were the hardest three years of my entire Christian life. I don't remember fasting and praying and spending more time in the Bible ever in my life than these last three years. We had war. We had civil war. Then we had a, a coup. Then we had snipers. And then we had shut down schools. Kids shouldn't go to school. It's too dangerous. And I just want to say thank you to all of you because I know the, the churches in the U.S. took up an extra contribution and were praying for us in a tremendous way. We are so thankful for your sacrifice for the churches in the, the Ukraine. Amen, church? Then there was the spiritual battle. The Russian churches and the Ukrainian churches. We're not like the world. We love one another no matter what's going on. And I'm happy to report that the Ukrainian churches and the Russian churches are more unified today than ever before. Amen, church? We are not like this world. But we fought hard so that no one would give in to hatred. Then we had 200% inflation. 200% inflation. Members were losing jobs. We were personally robbed three times this year. I got down. I got a little discouraged. I lost faith. Have you had any moments like that? 
God invites us to come out and stand in his presence. Let's read another verse. Let's see what happens. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. You know, the Lord was in the fire with Elijah a few months back, but he's not in the fire today. You know, sometimes God's in the fire, and then the next time he's not in the fire. It's not what we do or how we do it. It's that God is in it. Sometimes we're always trying to figure out what and how. It's not about the what and how. It's with who. Because with God, it's going to work. Amen, church. God is almighty, but not always predictable. There was a great small group in, in, in the churches in the Ukraine. One of the small groups, they kind of lost their passion for the lost. And they decided, you know, let's come up with an idea to help us impact people and help people be saved. And you know what they decided to start with? They decided just to get up early in the morning and head out into the park and into the forest a little ways away from people so that no one would bother them, so that they could just pray and sing and pray and sing and get fired up spiritually and get close to God so that they could go and impact other people. That was their, that was their what. So that morning they get up at like six in the morning and they head out into the park and they get far enough away so no one's around. And they kind of huddle up the, the three or four brothers, the four brothers, and they start to sing and pray and sing and pray. And you know how that goes. When you start, it's kind of quiet. Then it gets louder. Then you don't mind that you don't actually sing well. It's okay. It's not that big a deal. And you're, they're getting all fired up. And about 25 minutes pass, and a guy comes down from a tree next to them. <laughs> it's 6.30 in the morning. Carrying a rope. And he said, can a man commit suicide in peace? He came there that morning to finish his life. God put a small group underneath his tree. And the singing and praying, obviously it was so-so because it took a half hour to get him out of the tree. Once again, it's not about the how, what, or when. It's about God. He comes down, he says, what do you mean you want to commit suicide? My life doesn't work, my relationship... And he starts sharing. He says, you, God can change your life. And they started talking. They started studying the Bible. And two weeks later, he was baptized into Christ. We have to take each other into the presence of God. Amen, church. We've got to come out of the cave. But we never know how God's going to work. We just have to always take God with us. So let's see what he actually did do. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. So I don't know about you. If there was a wind that could tear a mountain apart, I think I would have already pulled the cloak over my head. And if that's not enough, an earthquake, I'd definitely pull the cloak over my head. If fire's falling all over the place, I'd be pulling cloaks over my head. But for some reason, that didn't seem to scare Elijah. What freaked Elijah out was God literally speaking to him. The most shocking thing about God is that he wants to talk to you. That is utterly shocking. Earthquakes, fires, storms, parting the Red Sea, those are amazing things, but that God personally wants to talk to you. That is utterly amazing. Amen, church. 
The idea of a quiet time has to be the most revolutionary miracle that God has blessed us with. The fact that we can speak with God. The greatest appointment you've punched into your little reach. You know, I got all my appointments punched in here, you know. The most important appointment you've punched in is that one with God. This won't change you like an appointment with God. That, that Starbucks conversation with that awesome brother and awesome sister, that's not going to change you like tomorrow morning you just closing that door, getting down on your knees, and talk to God. We've got to be spiritual. We can't just be a movement. We have to be God's movement. We have to get close to God. Church, can I hear an amen? Okay. Let's get out of the cave, amen? See you, point number two. Point number one was see God, number two, see you. You know, you are a new creation. Tonight, we fix our eyes on God, you know, who we can't see, but also I want us to fix our eyes on who you really are. Not the you you see in the mirror. I'm talking about the you that God put inside of you. You know, there's many things we'll be challenged to do better. There's things that depend on our decision, but there's also things that don't depend on our decision. There's things God put in you when you decided to become a Christian. It's in you already. But I don't think we think about that. I don't think we see that. I think we forget what God's already done to us. Let's look at a couple of these. Because you have been radically, infinitely, eternally transformed. It says here, you're a new creation. The old is gone. You know, we're people of faith because if you watch a video of a baptism and you don't know what's going on, there's some dude that's just standing there dry. He goes down and gets wet and for some reason somebody pushed him under, but he doesn't seem mad about it. Then he came out and he's wet. What the heck was that? What actually happened? Well, if you just watch it from a, a humanistic point of view, absolutely nothing happened. But if you have faith, the greatest miracle in the history of time took place. You're not recycled. We didn't use old parts. You are a new creation. Next one, I think. There we go. You are the temple of God. Can you imagine? You're an upgrade of the temple. The temple in Jerusalem, yeah, it's impressive, but nothing is as impressive as the temple of God today. It's an upgrade. The Old Testament was just a shadow of what God wanted to do with us. God's Spirit lives in you, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. You were poor, now you're rich. And I know you're looking in your wallet, wait a minute, I don't see much transition here. I don't know. But if you think about it, your soul is worth more than the entire world. It says, what could you give for your soul? Your soul costs more, not than just the United States of America. Your soul is worth more than the entire globe. That's how much your soul is worth. Amen, church. You were dead, now alive. You were literally dead. No, no pulse. Like that squirrel on I-70 you drove by and felt bad about. Just dead. Now you're alive. If you look through God's eyes, you were literally lifeless. And now you're full of life. 
You were in darkness, now you're in light. Darkness is scary, uncertain. You don't know where you're going. You, you can be in a crowd, and if you're in darkness, you still feel alone. You can be married to someone, but if you're in darkness, you still feel alone. Darkness is scary. But now you're in the light. You have warmth. You see where you're going. You see vision. You see God's plan for your life. Amen? No mercy, now mercy. You literally had no mercy. It didn't matter what kind of good person you were or not. No mercy. But when you became a Christian, you now have mercy. You were lost. And I'm not talking lost in this convention center where there's 100 Christians around you smiling at you and you still feel okay that you're lost. No, I'm talking about lost, you're in the jungle. No, I'm talking about lost, your, your ship sank, you're sitting on a boat in the middle of the sea. That's scary lost. And then you see some guy floating up to you in an inner tube next to you in the sea, and you're fired up to see him, but he ain't going to help you. And you're now lost together. Jesus found us. Amen, church. He brought us back home. You were an object of wrath, now you're a child of God. That's pretty intense. See, in my house, I have my wife, Lena. She's awesome. I have two kids, incredible, and I have a dog. Amen? I like my dog too, amen? Now, there's other living creatures that sometimes get into our apartment, but they're not as welcome, like cockroaches, and you actually had a couple rats that I caught and killed. You know, check that out. You know, I'm pretty awesome. If there's a creature in my house that's not welcome, like the cockroach or the rat, my, my first instinct is destroy squash, and take out. Kids, dog, can stay. Cockroach, goes. Before Christ, we're the cockroaches and the rats. After Christ, we're his beloved children. See, sometimes if you think I haven't grown much spiritually, you went from cockroach to son. You're cranking. Don't say never let it tell you you haven't changed. You've changed tremendously. You were condemned, now you're saved. You've hit the lottery. You have hit the lottery. If God never answers a single prayer you ask your entire life, you should walk away feeling, I'm the most blessed person that ever walked the face of this earth. Because you hit the lottery, and you know what, you know what was in the jackpot when you hit it? Eternal life. Eternal life. This actually is not a convention of disciples. This is a convention of the lottery winners. Congratulations. Everyone here won a lottery worth 10 times more than the entire planet. Church, are you fired up? Now, this is the bomb of bombs, okay? I saved the best for last. This is unbelievable. This is going to blow your mind. 1 John 3, 1 through 2. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it does not know Him. Unbelievable. You are in the family of God. You know, I'm very proud of my wife. She's like my hero, one of my many heroes. She had a lot of persecution when she became a Christian. Then she helped her grandma, who was 77 years old, become a Christian. Then she helped her mom become a Christian. Then her sister to become a Christian. 
Then her sister's husband became a Christian. Amen? Now right now, dad, who communist, atheist, is starting to read the Bible and study the Bible, which is very encouraging for our family. Amen? Now I flew to Moscow once to study the Bible with dad. And uh, it was a five o'clock flight. Should get into Moscow at 6.30. And the plane took off. And as we were flying, you know, we started to circle a little bit. But after about an hour and 45 minutes, um, they start to come in for a landing. And as the plane's coming in, we go into this really dark cloud. I never liked that. This really dark cloud, and the plane starts to bounce and bounce and bounce and bounce. And you know, when that happens, I have this tendency to look out the window, and I'm kind of looking for the land. Finally, I see the land. I'm like, okay, great. We're about to come in for this. This is awesome. Okay. And we're getting closer and closer to the land. And then he hits the gas and pulls up. I'm like, Wing! and and the plane's bouncing and bouncing and bouncing and bouncing and bouncing. And then after like four minutes, it comes out of the clouds. Okay. We start to circle for about an hour and a half without any announcements. Then he comes on. We're about to come in for a landing. I'm thinking, okay, let's do it. We come in and we hit this dark cloud again. I'm like, oh my gosh. Start bouncing, 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 bouncing. I see the land. I'm like, okay, great. We're, there's the land. We're going to land. This is going to be great. We come in. We're about 200 meters from the ground. He hits the gas and pulls up again. And like we hit this wall of hail, all these pellets. You can hear the pellets hitting the plane. We're bouncing, 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 and he comes through. I thought, I'm never getting off this thing. <laughs> Aeroflot will be my tomb. We circle for about another hour. We're in the air now for four hours. Then the pilot comes on and says, we're actually going to land in the other airport. I don't care where we land now. We fly down, we head in, and then he actually brings it in for a landing, amen? We land, and you should have heard the applause. It was like you won the World Series or something. And you know, sometimes when planes land, some people get up, some people stay seated. Everybody got up, everyone got their grabs, and everyone's so fired up. And I kid you not, we're standing there for 10 minutes, 15, 20, 30, no announcement. After 30 minutes, he comes on and says, we're just refueling. I'm looking at the emergency door. Does that thing actually pop off? We refuel. Everybody sits down completely discouraged. The stewardesses start to pass out vodka. I kid you not. They were passing out vodka. Every group has their way of finding joy, amen? We take off, and we're flying, and it's like a 20-minute flight. But for some reason, we're flying 20 minutes, 30, 40, I kid you not, an hour. I look out the left window, there's lightning all over the place. Look out the right window, there's lightning all over the place. After an hour and a half, he brings it in for a landing. Praise God, amen. Now, why am I telling you all this? It's not just to raise your respect for Aeroflot pilots in the aircraft, amen. The reason I'm telling you this, imagine if the pilot came on Ah, about three hours into the flight and said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for flying Aeroflot. I'm done. 
three hours, that's it. I didn't sign up for the lightning thing. I didn't sign up for the storms. I tried twice, I'm done. Good luck. Hey, pilot guy, sit back down. Lay in the plane. My life depends on it. Sit back down and lay in the plane. Yeah, I know you didn't sign up for the lightning. I know you didn't sign up for the storm. I know you thought it was going to be an hour and a half and it's now taking five hours. I know it's not what you expected, but sit back down. There's no option for me. You have to finish what you started. You know, same thing for me spiritually. No one told me I'd live through two coups, a civil war and a revolutionary war. No one told me I was going to be living 45 minutes south of Chernobyl. Nobody told me I'd be robbed. Nobody told me that I'd be chased by the KGB and by the Ukrainian mafia. I didn't sign up for that. Sean, sit back down. Lay in the plane. Finish what you started. Ever had those moments when you're not doing well spiritually? I've had some. Times when you think, I just can't do it anymore. Times I give in to anger, bitterness, impurity. Times when I'm weak. Like maybe, I, maybe it's not worth it. Maybe I can't do it. Maybe I've lost my dream. Hit the gas and pull up. If you've lost some of your dreams, church, hit the gas, pull up. Look at the verses we just read. Look what God's put inside of you. Are you serious? Do you really believe God can't use you? Do you believe that God isn't a God of second chances? Re-engage. Re-engage in the battle. Churches of Christ, sit back down. We haven't landed yet. We've got to land the plane. There's people on the plane. They're counting on us. Your family's counting on you. Your colleagues are counting on you. Don't back down. Fight to the end. And if you're really nervous about flying, look at who's your co-pilot. That's Jesus sitting next to you. You think he can't land that plane? Are you serious? Do you really think Christ can't take care of it? Jesus is God. Amen, church. Last point. Hear the call. If we have an almighty, awesome God, and God has put things in us that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind could even conceive, with that combination, what is possible? That's the question. Let's read a verse. Deuteronomy 30.11. Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. Now what I am commanding you today, you know, this is not a negotiation. He is not advising us. He's not giving us some good pointers. Jesus commands us. 
He commands us to love one another. He commands us to go to all These are commands. You know, I appreciate that as a church we've matured a lot. But maturity doesn't mean we don't obey. Maturity does not mean that we do not obey. Sometimes we think obedience is for young people, older people. We obey when we feel like it or when we're inspired or when we agree. I hope you're motivated from the heart. But if not, you obey. I hope you're inspired because your preacher inspired you. But even if he didn't inspire you, you obey. Jesus is Lord. In season, out of season. Inspired, not inspired. Feel like it, don't feel like it. Jesus is Lord. I remember planting the Kiev church. I remember getting off the train. I remember the first church service. 500 people at the first church service. 30 missionaries in the front row, 500 people sitting behind them. That's not a very fired up singing group. (laughs) You know, I was so prideful when I went on that mission team. I was so worried about me. I was so arrogant. I was, am I going to be awesome? Am I going to do this? Just arrogant, just filled with myself. And you know, everyone on the team had lots of people to study the Bible with after church. Do you know who the only person on the team was that didn't have any visitors at church out of 500 visitors? Do you know who didn't have any visitors at church? Me. But I didn't give up because Monday night was going to be first principles. And I could bring someone Monday night and someone can study the Bible and I can re-engage. So Monday, I was on the streets for 10 hours sharing my faith all day long. I came to first principles Monday night. As arrogant as ever. Not broken. Do you know how many visitors came from my all day sharing my faith? Nobody. After church, the fellowship's buzzing. People are studying the Bible. 28 people were baptized the first week. 77 the first three weeks. Do you know who didn't help anyone become a Christian? Me. You know, I remember getting on the metro that night, going home. I went home alone because everyone else had Bible studies. I got in the metro alone. I sat down discouraged, sitting there sulking, feeling sorry for myself. And then I look up and I see like these four people standing by the door of the metro. And you know that voice that's in your head that sometimes you try and shut it out, right? It says, Sean, go invite them to church. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I've been doing that for eight days. Squat. Sean, go invite them. Nope, not going to happen. Not going to happen. And I sit, the door's open, I'm thinking, no, they'll leave now. The door's closed, they didn't leave. (laughs) The voice gets a little louder, Sean, they're still there so you can invite them. I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) They're not open, they're not interested like everybody else. Doors open, they don't leave, doors closed. (sighs) So I negotiated. God, if they get out at the next stop, I'm free. If they stay, I'll get up and invite them. Next stop, doors open. I'm thinking, go, 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 go. I wanted to yell fire or something. You know, get them out. Doors closed, they're still there. Stand up, mosey over. No faith, no heart, no love, raw obedience. 
raw obedience. Walk up to them. Hey, you guys want to come to church tomorrow night? First principles. Study the Bible. I'm just waiting to hear the word nyet. I just need a nyet and I can go sit down. I got a da. They said da. Yes, they'll come. I was like, yeah, okay. Here's the address, come. I go back and sit down, but at least you know I'm set free from all this burden stuff. The next night they come. A guy and a girl, Eager and Yana, they both come. I was so fired up. I was so proud of my, no I wasn't. <laughs> they came. He loved it. He was actually a rugby player. And I said, hey, do you want to study the Bible? He said, no, I'm busy at lunch. I said, what about tomorrow night? He said, no, I'm busy at night. I said, well, when are you free? He said, only 6 in the morning. I said, would you want to meet at 6 in the morning? He's like, yeah, I'd love to. I was like, awesome. He studied the Bible, and as God would have it, we actually left Kiev to go plant the church in St. Petersburg. He actually got baptized after I left. I think God just wanted to drive it home. Yeah. Could you please just be humble? So, two months ago, I asked my brother, Zhenya, I said, can we figure out from those two people I invited, who did they then invite that they invited, that they invited? Because I'm just curious, what was the worst day of my spiritual life? What did God actually do with that? When I had no spirituality, no love, no zeal, no passion, just raw obedience. Watch this video. <laughs> 